and welcome to the April 7th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is good to have everybody here with me today. And of course, I am happy to be with you out there. So, it's been a couple of days since I've been on, and I am extremely elated to be on. I, I needed a break. I really did. I needed some time alone. I needed some time to think. And after thinking, which I just did, I needed some time to let out that thought process and no better way to, to do that than to do it with my audience, of course. So a lot has gone on over the past couple of days and really for us with bipolar disorder, specifically with bipolar disorder, it's really nothing new uh, for me. It's the same old, same old, and in comparison to the person with bipolar disorder who goes through their typical ups and downs, and the ups and downs that last possibly an extended period of time, for me the difference is, as compared to some of you who don't experience the mixed episodes and the rapid cycling, for me these symptoms, they come on quick, they last a short period of time, and then they go away just as quick as they came on, and once again, they lost a, they last a short period of time, and before you know it, I'm pretty kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lost in where I am with my life, and that, that's a situation that a lot of times with bipolar disorder, I know with myself, I oftentimes find myself saying, I... I I have to, at some point, I realize that there are days where I just have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. I find things that help me manage my symptoms to some extent, and I do it in a safe, and I try to do it in a safe and a, and a positive manner. But truth be told, everybody, we cannot avoid those triggers. And I know I can't avoid them. Triggers are everywhere. For me, I have to say to myself that I can only accept what I can handle in life, what I can reasonably handle in life. But in the end, what it comes down to is a lot of times Mr. Joe doesn't know what the hell he is doing. And there is no, there is no book, there's no manual, there's no dictionary. There's no encyclopedia. God, remember what encyclopedias were? We don't even use them anymore. But there is no reference guide to living with bipolar disorder. And even if there was, you know, there are a lot of books out there and a lot of ways to manage bipolar disorder. But even if there was some kind of a manual for bipolar disorder, we are not all the same. None of us are the same. We're all individuals. So... What might be said in the book, so to speak, is not going to work for you and not going to work for me and might work for somebody else. And um, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's not, not the same for everybody. And interestingly enough, is people who are not even diagnosed 
with bipolar disorder. A lot of those people also don't even know how to manage their lives, to be honest. Uh, but they deal with the stress of managing their life in a very different fashion than, than those of us with bipolar disorder. And I have to lump in not only bipolar disorder, but those who might deal with some severe anxiety as well. It's not an easy way to live your life, especially if you are coping with panic disorders and panic attacks and things of that nature. Let's, let's pretend for the moment that you are not diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I've just mentioned that it's very difficult to manage our lives with bipolar disorder, but the same applies to those who might be dealing with panic attacks. So anybody with a mental illness, we kind of could be all lumped up into one little category that, in, to summarize, it's just not easy. It's not easy. But again, it's not easy for the regular person without a mental illness. For us, it just seems to be that much harder. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm being discouraging today or negative, but if you can't tell by my tone of voice... Um, I don't want to say I'm in a depressed mood because I'm not. I'm in a confused state of mind, if that makes any sense. And it's it's more about the fact that lately I have been just simply feeling like I am one big, giant problem or one big, huge mistake in life. And I would not supplement that with the word depression at the moment in time because I am not going through that particular mood swing. But let, let's start with this. Let me give you an update of where I am in, in life and maybe some of you can relate to this in terms of medication and what you're on right now. I am currently on 175 milligrams of Lamictal and I have got to say that it appears as if I have stabilized in terms of my medication, I will be going up to 200 milligrams as of this coming up Friday. But what I mean by stabilizing is uh, I, I felt like I was in a, in a mood rut, so to speak, when I had started that 175 milligrams. I felt like something was missing, and I felt like the mixed episodes were a little bit more intense. And what I mean by that is there was a lot of happiness, there was a lot of sadness, and they were all kind of mixed into one, and that was happening more or less on an everyday basis. And what I've realized is after about a week of being on this 175, those mixed episode symptoms have basically gone away, and I've stabilized. Now, what has not happened is the rapid cycling now has seemed to take in a turn for its worse, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, Seroquel. I am still on 25 milligrams. That seems to have uh, stabilized. I'm not really feeling anything from it. It might be too low. It might be too, too not enough. But what I can say is my psychotic symptoms have subsided by a great deal. I am still dealing with some paranoia, uh, but not necessarily related to everyday life activities and everyday circumstances. It's more about some ridiculous thoughts that I'm still being monitored and watched, and who knows, maybe I am. I mean, I probably sound like a crazy person, but 
I don't know. I mean, with technology today, I just don't trust anything. I, I really don't. I've been lately. I've been a little worried to log on to computers and log on to the network, even from home, to go on to work, even though I'm allowed to work from home. Just some weird feelings that I've had. But, again, the Seroquel has somewhat subsided those feelings. So I think we're on a good roll when it comes to that. That's a good thing. Something that I have failed to mention, and I'll tell you why I have not mentioned it a whole lot. I, I Every once in a while, I will look at what we call statistic evidence in terms of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast, because I want to see who's listening. I want to see where the listeners are generating from, and I can tell you right now that the bulk of the listeners are coming from the United States. doesn't surprise me in the least bit, but if you look at the generated map that Podbean, which is where I, I record my podcast directly from, it is a matter of fact, people are listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast literally all over the world, uh, from South Africa to Canada to um, Britain, Great Britain. Uh, I mean, it's just it's, it's Australia. I mean, the list goes on and on, and unfortunately, I'm geographically illiterate, and I'm not saying that in a joking manner. A lot, of, a lot of what I do when it comes to locations and maps and viewing maps, I have no idea what I'm looking at. So the only way that I know that these things are, uh, people are listening from these places is I can hover my mouse over a specific area and it will tell me where the listeners are. In terms of the United States, if we want to break it down a little bit more, I can tell you that the top place that people are listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast is from New York, uh, followed by a close second in Texas, and then it, uh, I believe third was California, fourth being Florida, and then all kinds of states thrown in between. Basically, every state in the United States has a listener of, of, of some sort, and uh, uh Here's why I, I got into this. I nearly almost forgot the reason why I was getting into this is this is Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. And sometimes I am fearful that if I start to stray away from the topic of bipolar disorder, I'm going to lose my audience. So what I have done is I have not concentrated or spoken a whole lot about Suboxone. And I have to talk about it just for one second because I really feel in my heart that Suboxone or the lack thereof in terms of me coming off the medication has done a number on my mental stability. There's no doubt about it. Just like any other drug that we come off of, whether it be psychotropic medications, whether it be an illegal substance that has addictive qualities to it, a benzo or an opiate for that matter, there is going to be some instability in your mind. Uh, and with the Suboxone, there's not only that emotional instability, which, knock on wood, if I had wood next to me right now, uh, I'm not dealing with a whole lot of depression or anxiety, which is my first go-around with Suboxone upon coming off. That was the nightmare of everything. That was the 188-day withdrawal which included excessive bowel movements, extreme chills, 
that I could not deal with them literally walking around in robes and slippers and hats and gloves up until I got my car and went to my job. But on top of that, by far the most debilitating of all was the depression and the anxiety, uh, which after 188 days, or maybe a little bit sooner than that, I had finally discovered that there was what we call an antidepressant which possibly would have stabilized my mood and brought my serotonin levels up. In this particular case, it was actually dopamine, and uh, I mentioned many times that Wellbutrin had saved my life. Uh, Wellbutrin and Lamictal, as a matter of fact, for that period in time. Again, it's not depression and anxiety is not something that I've been dealing with a whole lot as I come off the box in the second time around, but what I am noticing is in terms of my physical characteristics or my physical struggles, and it's very, very similar to those of you who have abused opiates or have come off heroin or come off Oxycontin or Vicodins, when you start to withdraw, not only are you doing damage to your, obviously, your mental and emotional state of mind, but you have physical withdrawals. And for me, over the last couple of days, it has, two things have transpired. One, I've felt like at times I cannot keep my eyes open, and that's the God's honest truth. And two, it's almost impossible sometimes to walk. I feel like I have cement uh, buried at the, at, inside my shoes or on the, on the tip of my feet, so to speak, where I, I actually am struggling to walk. Now, that has subsided, and again, the reason why I don't talk about it a whole lot is because I don't want to bore my audience, and I feel like uh, sometimes uh, bipolar is the topic of interest when it comes to my podcast, but then I look at the statistics and I see my Suboxone 101 episode had hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of downloads, and combine that with the fact that I believe my audience, because we are a family, I believe that you do want to know what's going on with Mr. Joe. And so anyway, I've kind of just talked myself into realizing that we support one another and there is nothing that is not important when it comes to our relationship. If you were to write me an email about something not related to bipolar disorder, I would respond to it the same way that I would as if you did have bipolar disorder or it was an email about questioning bipolar disorder. So I have to be hopeful that my uh, family out there is okay with me revealing some of the things that do go on with my Suboxone withdrawal. Uh, so that that certainly does have a lot to do with the way that I'm feeling, but... Again, with that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stable right now from what I can imagine when it comes to Suboxone. Uh, still a little bit slow moving. If you can't tell by now, my voice is extremely drawn out. Uh, I, I at least feel like that. I feel like I am not speaking in my typical ranting, quick-paced fashion that I normally do. Some of the words that Mr. Joe wants to spit out and say... I'm having a difficult time saying them. They're not coming to me as sharply as they normally do. So whatever that might mean, I'm not too sure. Uh, is it a mood swing? Is it a mixed episode? Um, I, 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 not a mixed episode, a rapid, rapid cycling um, symptom. 
I have to believe that it is because here's what went on. Here's what went on yesterday. Um, and there is, and I, and I want to be very, very uh, precise about the way that I describe uh, this. I woke up yesterday and I felt as if I ran the entire world, that I was God's gift to this God, this, this, this green earth. <laughs> if I, if, and as you can see, again, I'm struggling with the words here today, but I woke up feeling like I ran the world. And, and those, unfortunately, those days, and I don't know if it's unfortunately the word to use, but I'll keep that word out. Those days are so far and few in between as of late that um, they, 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 don't, they don't happen very often. And when I feel that way, when I feel very confident or overconfident, to say the least, I almost know or I say to myself that well, there's going to come a day when I just can't seem to do anything right once again. With rapid cycling, little do we know, even though we've had it done so many times to us, is when that day is to come, it could come at any moment. It can come within the same day. It could come within the next day. And unfortunately, as good as I was feeling yesterday, I woke up feeling uh, the complete opposite today. Let me further elaborate on a couple of things. And again, these will be personal stories, so to speak, or personal uh, occurrences in Mr. Joe's life that have transpired, that have elicited completely opposite reactions as compared to yesterday, as compared to today. First things first, yesterday, and I believe I had described on my last podcast that tomorrow is a very, very big day in Mr. Joe's neighborhood and household. It will be WrestleMania 34. My wife and I are huge wrestling fans, and we've been waiting an entire year for this day to come, and we can't wait for it. But I also explained that there was a particular set of friends that my wife has that I was not very happy about coming to our home. As a matter of fact, I had denied them coming to our home to my wife, and I had said, you know, I don't care what they're asking to do. I don't smoke marijuana, and I know this guy who comes over with her good friend, the wife of this gentleman, I don't want to be surrounded with his chitter-chatter and his marijuana smoking, and I'm just not in any mood. I'm not in the mood to entertain. I'm not in the mood to deal with the, my my flipper tooth being out because I have such a poor self-image of myself. I just don't want to deal with it. But when I had expressed those feelings to my wife a couple of days ago during breakfast, I believe it was, by the way, I had said it was during dinner to my wife, and she looked at me in in the eyes, and she said, wow, you really don't remember anything, because that conversation we had actually took place at during breakfast. I mean, I forget so many things that I couldn't even decipher the time of day that we had this conversation, but when I had let my wife know about my um, feelings about this couple coming over, I, I sensed a a feeling of disappointment. Now, while she didn't come out and say it, although she kind of did, she said, well, what about me? When do I get to enjoy certain things or, or have my Mr. Joe husband back? 
and, you know, the Mr. Joe that is willing to socialize and the Mr. Joe that is willing to be a good host. When do I get to have that, that husband that I love, the, the husband that I married? When do I get to have him back? So she expressed a, a great deal of sadness. Well, because I woke up the way that I woke up yesterday, feeling like I ran the world, feeling like I could face any task that you could possibly imagine that was presented to my face, I woke up and the first words out of my w w mouth were, after I had kissed my wife in the morning, and we do, we're very cute, because one of the things that I think is very important in terms of my relationship and something that I never did, I never even kissed my ex-wife. I mean, whether we were being civil to one another uh, or whatever the case may be, um, her and I never kissed. We never did anything. And I don't mean I don't mean the old-fashioned term making out. I mean I just never kissed her, uh, never kissed her on the lips, never did any of that stuff. With my wife, we're very cute. We wake up in the morning, we give each other a hug, we kiss each other. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my dear. And we are very very sincere when we do it. So I kissed her. I felt great. I I knew that. The hypomania had set in, but I said, you know what? Just love it and enjoy it while it lasts. And you look at your wife in those eyes, those beautiful eyes of hers, and you tell her, you know what? I know it will make you happy to invite those two people over to our home for WrestleMania. So that's what I wanted to do. I, that's what I want you to do. I want you to text your friend, and I want you to reach out to her. I don't want you to tell her that she's welcome. I don't want you to make any more excuses. Tell them both to come over. I will deal with him. As a matter of fact, I'll probably have a good time with him. And that's that. I saw a smile on my face, on my wife's face, develop from ear to ear. And it made me so proud uh, to see that and so elated and so happy. And it was just great. Well, Mr. Joe woke up this morning. And what do I do? I instantly start a fight about tomorrow. And the excuses start pouring out of my mouth, along with blame, by the way, okay? We have no money. I know you're going to invite them here, and you're going to start cooking and making all these meals, let alone the fact that I can't even go food shopping, and I don't have enough money for lunch, and... Meanwhile, my wife makes me a beautiful lunch every single day, and we've never actually been short when it comes to food shopping or grocery shopping. I've never gone to work hungry. I've never not had to deal. But really, in my mind, it was a very simple thing. I looked over at our little fruit container that we keep our fruit in, and I noticed that we had no more bananas. So I took it to the extreme, and I turned around. And I said, I don't even have a banana to go to work in the morning. <laughs> I mean, this is the type of stuff that we do. So I don't want to spend money on these people. I don't want to entertain. Who are they to come here and impose? This is the one day of the year that I look forward to. The absolute complete opposite of the way that I acted yesterday, um, which is really, really, really just so scared, so scary. Um, and, and by the way, I apologize. I don't know if you hear it in the background, but one of my dogs is, quote-unquote, just being an animal. <laughs> I know that it's funny when I refer to my dog as an animal, and sometimes I will say to her, I go, you are such an animal. Well, one of the things that we cannot control with our podcast recordings sometimes, like I said, are our animals. I just had to put you on pause 
and I am back, one of the saddest things of all is, and this is how bad it has become with my memory and my thinking, that I tried to take about five minutes just now to recall what I was actually talking about, and I was a, uh, unable to do so, but I kind of got the gist of it. I was talking about how I felt yesterday as compared to today, and in a nutshell, guys, I woke up comp feeling completely opposite of what I presented to my beautiful wife yesterday, um, presented it in a way today that was angry, demeaning, harsh, uh, very, very uh, forceful in terms of my words and actions and started complaining about money and expenses and my wife cried. She cried and she said, I can't live like this anymore. And I immediately referred to her as my ex-wife and I said, oh, you sound like uh, my ex-wife. You know, that's some of the horrible things that my ex-wife would say, not only to me, which I can't blame her, but would also say about my children, which I can blame her about that because that is just not okay. Uh, and then I realized, thank goodness, one of the things that I'm starting to realize is that I can overcome this anger and this meanness, so to speak, within a few short seconds to 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 maybe the the, the most a few short minutes, whereas things like this, sometimes the irrational irritability and horrible ways that I would act would last for days. Last for days, I would grab my keys, I would blame her. In the past, this would have resulted in her crying, me saying, you are selfish, how dare you put me through this? You know I have bipolar disorder and I can't deal with this situation. I'd grab my keys, I'd get in a car, I'd drive around the neighborhood. I would have all these ideas of where I was headed to. By the way, a lot of times things would pop up in my head and say to myself, oh, I'm headed to my drug dealer's house, whoever that might be, and I'm going to show her. I'm going to punish her by doing drugs. And there, there would even be some times that I would leave my phone in the household so she couldn't call me and track me and then I'd realize well now I can't call my drug dealer um, horrible horrible reactions and for those of you who might have bipolar disorder or live with somebody who has bipolar disorder you'll know exactly what I am talking about but in this in this uh, instance today I quickly turned everything around and I and, and and the important thing to remember is just because you turn it around quickly doesn't mean a whole lot. Just because you are now apologizing, even though it's within a couple of minutes or seconds, it doesn't take the pain away from your significant other. However, luckily enough, I was able to apologize, and she accepted my apology, and she hugged me, and she kissed me back, and... I started to speak a little bit more rational to her and express my concerns, which I had expressed already, uh, once again, in a mean way the other night. But this time around, I explained it calmly, and, and she was right in terms of her rebuttal. As she explained, you know, I can't deal with this up and down. And, you know, one day you're into something, the next day you're not into it, and... Uh, she described exactly what bipolar disorder is and the unpredictability. And that's what we are. We're very unpredictable. Now, 
the other thing that was very interesting that transpired today that ultimately uh, resulted in a completely different mood, so to speak, or reaction, let's put it that way, um, yesterday I, I, I received some very discouraging news. A couple of podcasts ago I had described the fact that my wife and I had inquired about life insurance and we actually went ahead and got some and it was actually frightening because the amount of money that it would cost me per month for coverage of only $250,000 for my wife would cost Mr. Joe close to $90 a month because of my bipolar disorder, whereas $500,000 of coverage for me or for my wife to cover me or, you know, God forbid she passes away, was only about $38. So you're talking about a significant difference. So, again, 250 of coverage to cover my wife cost Mr. Joe 90 bucks, twice as much coverage, 500000 cost my wife only $38. Now, I need to hold on to a life insurance policy regardless for my ex-wife because I was mandated by the family court system to do so based on the fact and the way that it works is because I have to provide child support every month to my ex-wife for my two children, which is 25% of my salary. The way it works is, God forbid, I die. I have to cover my ex-wife for the remainder of my children's child support tenure up until they turn 21. So what that ended up coming out to, I believe, was a $500,000 policy or 400. I don't even remember. It's so sad that I'm drawing a blank. Half of which I was able to designate to my children, which is great. Uh, God forbid I pass away. Yes, my ex-wife will get half of that life insurance policy, but my children will also get half, which would be considered to be support for them. Uh, and I was able to get that ruling based on the fact that I proved, or at least my lawyer indicated and proved that my ex-wife was a little bit of a conniving, mean, manipulating person who had provided Mr. Joe with fake receipts of extra expenses. When the judge had found this out and was brought to the judge's attention, they quickly realized that they do not have a whole lot of confidence in the fact that my ex-wife would do the right thing with that money. Uh, because, again, it is made, I am not required to cover my ex-wife for her, if I was to pass away, it's coverage for my children. So, unfortunately, I am paying a smoker's rate because at the time I was smoking uh, that I had to uh, get the policy. As a matter of fact, I, was, I had actually quit at that time, believe it or not. Uh, when I renewed the policy, when I first put the policy into place, when I was actually married to my ex-wife, um, instead of canceling that policy, I had to renew it and designate to my children once I got divorced. That was why I had to kind of do it over. At that point in time, I was no longer smoking, but in order to change the beneficiaries, I had to kind of go through underwriting again and they had suggested at that time stick with the smoker's fee because if we have to run an entire medical 
based on your history, they are going to find out a lot of stuff that you don't want them to find out. Now, I had the original policy, I believe it was developed back in 2001 or 2002 when I had first gotten married. That remained into effect. I was hospitalized. I committed, I attempted my first, I uh, made my first suicide attempt back in 2005. By 2012, I was looking to change the beneficiaries and do the designation, and they were concerned, at least the person who came over for the policy was concerned that the medical records would still be there, especially about my suicide attempt, so they advised me to stick with the smoker's rate. So that's the rate that I have. Um, it cost me about $72 a month, and now it has come back to me. It's $400,000 worth of coverage. So for $72 a month under a smoker's rate, it is uh, cost me 72 bucks. So anyway, it was important for my wife and I, as we are now married, we are a couple, uh, we need to cover one another. So we had a very long day in terms of having somebody come over. We got the coverage. We made the deposit, made the down payment, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we had not taken our medical examination yet. We kind of held off on that because of the fact that we were scheduled, and I went over this in one of my other podcasts. Uh, I had slipped up, and I drank a few beers during my fantasy draft baseball day, but I also took about two or three uh, pokes, so to speak, of marijuana, and I was afraid that it was going to show up, although I had been clean for so long. So we were able to. They don't care how long you... Um, postpone the medical examination and I know that the postponement date would have clearly got the marijuana out of my system. It usually takes, for those of you who do not know, if you are a regular smoker, takes approximately 30 days for it to leave your system. If you don't smoke, which I had not smoked marijuana since January of 2018, and that's also January 1st, uh, I had quit right after New Year's Day or on New Year's Day, uh, because I had no marijuana in my system and I only took three little pokes of a joint, it, it's probable that within a week it would have been out of my system. Without a doubt, within three weeks it would have been out of my system. Now, also important to note that when I was self-medicating and I was on six or seven different psychotropic medications and I was self-medicating along with marijuana, it actually, and I had to deal with family court, it actually took 73 days, a minimum. Uh, could have been anywhere between 73 and 78 days in which the marijuana came out of my system. I know on day 73, it was still showing up. Uh, by the time I went on day 79 to test again with my doctor in preparation for family court, it was no longer in my system. So anywhere be between 73 and 78 days, that's how much marijuana was in my, so to speak, fat tissue. Uh, it's like your bloodstream, not only your, your, it doesn't only come out in your urine, it, it gets stored in your fat. So um, that's that. Anyway, let me get to the point here. Yesterday, being in this great mood that I was in, I woke up and my wife says to me, she goes, you know, very interesting. The $90 that we put down for your policy was refunded into our bank account. I said, well, it's not a big deal. They said they probably do that because we canceled our medical 
uh, examination, and, you know, they have to reschedule, so maybe it's something they do and nothing to worry about. Well, I reached out to the gentleman that had prepared our life insurance, and it's amazing uh, because he had told us that somebody would be taking over. He was getting a promotion, but he, he also said we could contact him at any time, and it's just amazing how salespeople work sometimes. And please, for those of you who might be in sales, I don't want you to be offended by this. Uh, it just made me very sad. Now, while he did respond to me, his answers were sh so short, so obnoxious. You could see that the gentleman could not be bothered anymore. He sold us what he had to sold us, and then he moved on. And even his promise went out the window. He's, he was just like, you know, call call so-and-so, leave me alone. I have no nothing to do with this anymore. And then when I expressed how disappointed I was, he stopped returning uh, my text messages. Didn't even bother but what ended up happening was I reached out and I said, hey, just out of curiosity, uh, I, I received the money back. Any idea why? He turns around and he texts me back. He goes, actually, yes. He goes, if you were deposited, if you were reimbursed, that means you were completely denied your coverage. So I wrote him back and I said, well, this is not something that you ever discussed. You said that worst case scenario, it would be a level five which is what I was charged, the $90, you never mentioned anything about potentially not being able to be covered. And that's actually when he stopped responding. He did not even bother. So I ended up calling the gentleman that had taken over my case, and I talked with him, and he explained to me, believe it or not, the results came from my primary care physician, not even from my psychiatrist my primary care physician, who probably about seven or eight years ago, when I had met with them, I said that I had gotten a previous diagnosis of bipolar disorder, but I was no longer diagnosed with it. I made sure I said that to my uh, primary care physician because I recall doing it because at the time I was on this fancy kick that I did not have bipolar disorder. I removed all the medications from my life. Um, I said to myself, um, you know, uh, it's, that's it. I am completely normal. I, I, I eat, I drink, I breathe, and I exist the same as anybody else, but I just do so in a broader spectrum. Uh, you know, I experience the same sorrow at the loss of a friend or freedom or, or, or innocence. I believe in all of that stuff. And just like anybody else, I could become angry. I don't have bipolar disorder. I'm just like a normal guy like anybody else. So, But I was diagnosed with it, and I'm so proud over the fact that I was able to beat it, and I live symptom-free now. And that was the report I put into my uh, primary care physician, but apparently... That report didn't go over too well with this life insurance company. And the gentleman I spoke to indicated to me that a letter was actually sent out explaining that I had been denied, which, of course, I never got. And ironically, it was in my mailbox yesterday. So, in speaking to this gentleman, I got to tell you, I was extremely positive. I really was. You know, we talked about the options. He explained to me that he is more of like a consultant in the sense where we don't have to stick with this particular life insurance company. I forget the, the term, uh, a broker or something along those lines where he can 
just reach out and you, know, you could find somebody that might uh, might accept me. And uh, I, I was just extremely grateful that that uh, that we were going to find somebody else, and down the line we'd be able to get no doubt life insurance. I was positive. I joked around with him. We laughed. It was a great conversation. So once again, to supplement my feeling of invite them over, Mr. Joe is excited, I can do it for WrestleMania, that was supplemented with the feeling that that's okay, we're going to be positive about this, not a big deal, uh, it's great, I'll be fine, we'll work together, let's give it about six months and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base again. So, again, I woke up, felt like I was running the world. Great. But, today, I woke up and I said to myself, Well, Mr. Joe, you just can't do anything right. I felt epic. Epic yesterday. Epic. Absolutely epic. And I was saying to myself, Man, I rock. That's all right, man. I'm the best. I've reached a milestone in my life where I am actually capable of success. I saw that in that particular moment yesterday that um, it's going to be all right. Everything's cool. And then what does Mr. Joe do? He wakes up this morning and, again, this is not a curse. Uh, It's not a, a curse word, so to speak. But as compared to waking up yesterday and being elevated and elated and happy, I woke up today and I said, I absolutely suck. I suck. Because at this moment, all I can see is the failures. It doesn't mean that I'm a complete failure, but for this particular moment, I am an absolute failure. And that's the feeling that I got. And what ended up happening was I was just so angry about the whole situation that I actually wrote a letter to this life insurance company. And I convinced my wife to cancel her policy. (laughs) Go figure. Okay. So just to be, and just to be like, stick it to them. So that's what we do. That is what we do. And what it comes down to is, and I'm going to admit this, and I and I hope that you agree with me. Well, I shouldn't say that. It does not that I hope that you agree with me. I, I'm wondering if you agree with me. I know this. I know that there are some days where I am just so scared of my symptoms. I really am. There's nothing quite like that change between hypomania and depression. Uh, when you feel like the world is just crumbling around you, or that emptiness that makes you feel like a dead man walking, so to speak. Those darkest, deepest parts of depression, when it hurts to cry because you're not trying to wake your wife or wake your loved one, so you just you silently sob in the background. And then you, you, you realize that you aren't even breathing because your entire insides are literally on fire. You got a ton of bricks on top of you. Uh, sometimes I wonder if it's if there's a possibility that I'm going to drop dead because I'm so sad. <laughs> um, and then 
And then at the same time, you got Mr. Joe walking around with, with the stress of wondering what would happen if I have a manic episode in the upcoming days or minutes or seconds. Uh, and then all of a sudden I, I start, uh, like I said to my wife today, we got to do something about this money. Um, you know, we got to, we got to lock up my credit cards. We got to put them away. We got to make sure that I can't spend any more money. We have to figure out how much money that I spend each month on my credit card payments and let's transfer that money just to be safe and secure to make sure that we always have it uh, to pay it each month. Let's put it into my uh, so-called PayPal account because I got a PayPal account and then I could pay the bills through that uh, because I know that if I have cash coming in my bank account or my paycheck in, in this Friday that I may not be able to stop myself from spending everything that I have. Uh, basically what it comes down to is I know I'm bound to get into a bad situation because maybe I'm just in mania mode and now I'm a little bit bored. And then boom, flip-flops right back to depression. And it's again, it's like sometimes I just give up on myself and I say, I'm done. I'm done. I've, got, I've had too many days in a row that are just bad. Just too many days and I can't handle the moment that I am in right now. And it's it's a shame. It really is that a lot of times we feel like this with bipolar disorder. We genuinely do not need a reason to be in a particular mood, so to speak. And it makes us trust people less when they yell at us or they scream at us or they show disappointment in us. And it almost feels like they're telling us that we do need a reason to feel this particular way. At least that's the way I felt today in my conversations, my interactions with my wife. I mean, if I knew why I felt the way that I did, well, I would try to fix it. Um, I have a mood disorder. I have bipolar disorder. Not an, not, not a. Let me analyze the situation disorder, so to speak. It's bipolar. Um, I don't know. I said to my wife today, as we were going back and forth, and she was saying to me, "I can't live like this anymore." And I, I, I wasn't ready to talk about it again. I, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, and I didn't want to be forced to talk about it because I just wasn't ready to. just wasn't a good time. Sometimes when people want you to talk about it or work through whatever mood episode you're in, it just makes it worse. And then we start giving lies about why we're upset because we or I just wanted to meet my wife to be happy that there was some kind of a reason for me being upset, even if there wasn't. And that's the God's honest truth. Uh, and it's 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 scary. It's scary. And I know I apologize if I've been somewhat negative in this podcast. I just I wanted to be transparent. I wanted to be real. And I hope that the next time you listen to Mr. Joe's bipolar podcast, I'm able to present with a little bit more positivity. Now, 
I, again, I don't want you to think that I'm in a depression. It's not a depression. It's not a depressive state that Mr. Joe is in right now. It's a state of confusion. It's a state of doubt. It's a state of hopelessness in the sense where, not where I want to die, but I want, I want it to end in the sense where, give me some stability. Give me some, give me some hope in the sense where, uh, I'm not going to shift back and forth from day to day. Give me the strength to turn around and say, you know what, what's the big deal about tomorrow? Don't be so selfish. Whoop-de-doo, you waited a whole year for something. Well, you know what, that couple probably waited a whole year as well. And if they are willing to enjoy their time in that moment with us, well, I should be honored. I should be honored. But yet, for some reason, I can't get it out of my mind that rather than feeling honored, I feel annoyed, and I feel like I just don't want to deal with it. So I have to work on that, and I don't know if my podcast today will allow you to work on it as well if you're dealing with it, but one thing I will say is if you're living with a mental illness such as bipolar disorder or any other mental illness for that matter keep working hard i know you're working hard so i want you to keep doing that if you are living with someone that you love a spouse a boyfriend a girlfriend something along those lines who has a mental illness illness please please keep supporting them and if you are struggling with your bipolar disorder or your mental illness right now i need you to keep battling i need you to never give up hope and i need you to soldier on Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day. Uh, We'll talk to you again in a couple of days.